Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. I want to thank God for, for the privilege to bring God's word. And um, I want to thank God for all that God is doing for us and in us in this season. I want to thank God for all that God has started to do. And, you know, we are looking forward in anticipation for all that God will do in the, you know, in the coming days. Glory be to Jesus. So today I'll be, I'll be sharing on the topic, prevail, prevail. Okay, now to prevail, you know, means to be victorious, to triumph, to gain the advantage, to gain mastery, to be in force, you know, to be current, you know, to be greater in influence and in strength, to dominate, to succeed, overcome, rule, basically to win, you know. So, what does it mean to prevail? How do we prevail? How do we get to the place of mastery, to the place of advantage? What does God want us to know in this season? And you know, it's, it's, it's great that God is, in this season, to us as a church, God has given us his word, you know, as we are waiting on God, as we are praying, as we are fasting, you know, God has promised that he's moving us to higher ground. So, when we start to talk about prevail, it means to move from a place of disadvantage to a place of advantage. To move from being disadvantaged to a position of victory. Amen. But you see, I was, I mean, I came about this, this topic. I was, I was reading the Bible and there was this story about Anna. First Samuel chapter 2 from verse 1 to 9. So the story of Anna, we all know Samuel, right? So Anna was, Anna was the mother of Samuel. Now she was married. Her husband loved her, obviously. I mean, the husband had two wives, Anna and Penina. But the husband loved Anna. But Anna had no children. Penina had children. I mean, we're not told the number, but she had many children. So she made it her assignment <coughs> to taunt Anna. And they will go to worship God. So there are seasons like this when the family will say, okay, we are going to Shiloh. We are going to the presence of God. We are going to worship God. And the, the festival in Shiloh was a festival of rejoicing. All Israel will come. They will gather before God. They will rejoice before God. You know, and then every year, the Bible said that Penina will taunt her until she's reduced to tears. And then one day, in that state, discouraged, full of despair, she got up. You know, and then she went to God. And then she was like, God, give me a child. Turn my story around. Change this thing for me. And God gave her what she asked. And because God gave her, she sang a song of thanksgiving or she, you know, a prayer of thanksgiving. And that's what we are going to be considering this, this morning. So there are two stories. This is the first one. So please, let's read First Samuel chapter 2, verse 1 to 9. Now, and Anna prayed. So because God had given her a child, she prayed. She said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The, my own is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. This was the woman that used to cry. When she sees Penina coming, the season has started. You know, she starts to cry. She said, now I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for it, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For God 
The Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him, actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are guarded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. This is interesting. People who used to, you know, have big tummy because they were full, now have to hire themselves out to get bread. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. This is higher ground. This is, this is turnaround. He said, even the barren has born seven, and she who has children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. So please, as we are reading this, mark the things that Anna is saying about the Lord. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's. They belong to the Lord, you know. So God is absolutely in charge. Now, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Amen. So the Bible is saying, by strength shall no man prevail. You know, so we're saying there's a way to prevail. There's a way to win. There's a way to gain the advantage. But Anna is telling us, by strength shall no man prevail. Some other translation says, by strength alone shall no man prevail. So what Anna is saying to us, from my experience, if it is about connection, she had her husband wrapped around her little finger. But did he deliver the results? For by strength alone shall no man prevail. No man succeeds by their own strength. And I want to thank God for the testimonies that were shared in this place today. I mean, I was just like, glory be to Jesus. Because these testimonies show to us that when God favors a person, God can lift them from the ash heap. And we're going to talk about that. You see, when somebody is feeding from the the landfill site, that person is likely to be homeless, jobless, you know, they are the lowest of the low. But the Bible says that God can lift them from those places and sit them among princes. That's higher ground. That's a transformation. And we are told that by strength alone shall no man prevail. So today we are looking at a couple of things. Now strength, I mean, we all know what strength is. Power, you know, the ability to resist attack, the ability to, you know, I mean, there are different definitions. The capacity to hold on, you know, if you are, you say somebody has strength, we know what that means. So it's the capacity to you know, to endure attack, to hold out the, the ability to withstand stress, you know, power, basically, physical power, toughness. But the Bible is saying, don't count on it alone. We need God. Now, Anna's song or Anna's prayer, like we've read, the first thing, one of the first things she addresses was the proud and the arrogant in verse 3. Say, talk not exceedingly proudly, neither let arrogancy proceed out of your mouth. For God is a God of knowledge. By him, actions are weighed. Now, first things first, we need to address that issue of pride. Arrogance. Because that's one thing that can hinder us if God wants to lift us. So, 
In scripture, we see a couple of examples. We are going to look at three of them. The first one was a parable that Jesus told about a certain guy. I mean, in, in most Bible translations, they call him the rich fool. There was this guy. But you see, the story of the rich fool, actually, Jesus was not talking to the rich fool. Jesus was talking to someone, someone else who came to Jesus wanting to prevail. Yes, the story of the rich fool. So we see the story in Luke chapter 12 from verse 15 to 21. But if we back up two verses before that, a man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Then Jesus responded to him, who made me a judge of such matters? And then Jesus told them this parable so that they can understand certain things. So for that man that came to Jesus, his intention was to use Jesus to collect their inheritance. His intention was not to have a relationship with Jesus. His intention is that my brother will listen to Jesus. So let me corner him with Jesus. Collect my share of the inheritance and off I go. Then Jesus told them this parable. If his brother was not going to listen to Jesus, why would he bring the matter to Jesus? So he brought the matter to Jesus so that Jesus can convince his brother to share the inheritance and then he can go his way. And then Jesus told them this parable about this rich man. So, Luke 12, 15 to 21. And he said to them, Take it and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, yielded abundance and he thought within himself saying what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops so he said I will do this I will pull down my barns and build greater, greater and I will store all my crops and my goods and I will say to my soul soul you have many goods laid up for many years take your ease eat drink and be merry and God said to him fool this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, Jesus' response to that guy. A lot of times, I mean, many times I'd read this passage of scripture. I'd read it thinking that Jesus was actually talking about the rich fool, as if he was addressing the rich fool. But in reality, it is pride to think that I can use God to accomplish my ends and not have a relationship with God, which was the reason Jesus responded with this parable. So that's pride issue number one that we have to deal with. Talk not exceedingly proudly Neither let arrogancy proceed out of your mouth. For God is a God of knowledge. God knows what is in your heart. And by him, actions are weighed. So, while we are trusting God for lifting, while we are trusting God for higher ground, while we are praying and fasting, you know, and praising God during the praise chain this week, what is your heart saying? Is it a heart that is committed to following God? Or is it a heart that wants to just use God? And off I go. Once I armor, then I can go. So that's the first one. The second one, another person that the Bible tells us is the supreme ruler of Egypt. Pharaoh. Is that how it's pronounced? Pharaoh. Yeah. So, <laughs> in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, 
God had told Moses and Aaron, go and meet this guy. Tell him to let my people go so that they can serve me. So they went to meet him. So afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Great guy, see his response. He said, and who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. Arrogance. Arrogance. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So the Lord said, okay, no problem. Let's be introduced. <laughs> let me introduce myself to you in 10 plagues. By the time the tenth one was done, he was begging them, take all your things, go and worship the Lord, but please pray for me. Pray to the Lord for me. Arrogance, pride. Who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him? If we are going to win, if we are going to, you know, prevail, then the issue of knowing the Lord and listening to his voice becomes priority. It's arrogance. It's pride for anyone to say, who is the Lord? Why should I do this thing? If God is the one that is asking. So, person number two, talk not exceedingly proudly. Neither let arrogancy proceed out of your mouth. For God is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. The third one, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, history has it that Nebuchadnezzar was one of the greatest, I mean, empire builders, right? He, he, was, he was superb. You know, Daniel 4, in Daniel chapter 4, so, Nebuchadnezzar had become king. He had built Babylon as his capital. And he was great. I mean, everybody around, he had conquered. He had conquered every nation around him. And he had this revelation. And they brought in Daniel to explain what it meant. And Daniel was stunned. After he told Daniel what he saw, Daniel was speechless. He was stunned speechless for a bit of time and was like I pray to God that this will happen to your enemy not to you and eventually the king said tell me I mean I'm a man tell me what it is so he told the king and said please humble yourself before God do good maybe these things will pass but by the time you get to Daniel 4.28 the Bible said that the thing that God said was going to happen all of it still came upon him you know why? One day he was walking around his palace. Then he said in his heart, Is this not Babylon, which my hands have built? I accomplished all these things by myself. I'm a self-made man. My smartness got me this. I got here because I did it. You know, just, well, just pumping his own head, so to say. And in that instant, there was a voice from heaven that told him, this kingdom is taken from you. For seven years, you will be in the bush. And then all of that happened. Why? Talk not exceedingly proudly. Neither let arrogancy proceed out of your mouth. For God is a God of knowledge. By him, actions are weighed. So we see three examples. All of them, Three, I mean, different angles to these things. Pride, you know, not wanting a relationship with God, using God to your, you know, trying to use God to your advantage. God sees the heart, you know, not having a regard and then ascribing what should be God's praise to oneself. So we see those examples. Now, we must realize that God opposes the proud. So if we are going to win, that's an area that we need to deal with so that God can help us. Now, by the time God was done with Nebuchadnezzar, he sang a song. The song, one of the songs that I sang before we started, you know, 
when you get to, so let's, let's go to verse 35 of, of, of Daniel 4, you know. So 34, from 34, it says, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, no, 30, 34, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And then verse 35, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? No, that's not what I'm looking for. I think it's verse 37. Verse 37 of Daniel 4, he sang the song, Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His word is perfect, and all his ways are just. He was the one that gave us the song. After God revealed himself to him, he sang the song. He said, Ascribe all glory, praise to God, the king of heaven. All of his works are perfect. His ways are just. You know? He's the one that gave us the song. That's when God had humbled him. You know? So, in our own case, we want God to help us. We want God to help us prevail. So, what do we do? Like Anna, we must recognize the Lord's greatness. We shouldn't wait. Like Pharaoh or or Nebuchadnezzar, for God to reveal himself before we, we align ourselves. So, in the song that Anna sang, she mentioned that God is all-powerful. God kills. He makes alive. God puts one down and raises another up. God is all-knowing. By him, actions are weighed. He's a God of knowledge. God has no equal. There is none holy as the Lord. That's part of it. There is none besides him. Neither is there any rock like our God. There is none holy as the Lord. That's it. She knew that God has no equal. So when her situation got to her head, what did she do? She got up and then went to go and, you know, stand there, you know, and pray to God. You know, we see in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel 1, 7 to 9, we see the story of how she had been in pain, year after year, year after year, you know, until she went up to the house of the Lord. And we saw that God actually responded to her. So, one, we need to realize that God opposes the proud. The second thing we need to realize is that we must recognize God's greatness. Now, how do we Recognize God's greatness to be able to prevail. In Second Chronicles, so this is the second story. The first story we are looking at is the story of Anna. The second story is the story of one of the kings of Judah. Asa, or I don't know. I think it's Asa, A-S-A. That's his name, right? Asa. <laughs> Whatever, Asa, I think. I think it's Asa. That's, that should be the right pronunciation. I'm struggling with these names as well. So it's okay. You can call it Asha. <laughs> so um, this king was a good king. So we see the story in Second Chronicles 14. His father died and then he was made king. And he decided to follow God. And because he followed God, God gave him rest for 10 years. The first 10 years of his reign, there was no war. So he decided, God has given us rest. Let's build. Let's build these cities. Let's fortify them. Let's put walls around them. 
Let's put towers, gates, bars, you know. God has given us peace. Now, just as he was doing that and they were prospering, then an enemy arose. So, let's go to verse 9. It says, while they were at it, while they were building, then there was this Egyptian, um, I mean, Ethiopian general or whatever that came to fight them. Now, when I was reading the story, I was like, this king, Asa, had 580,000 elite forces, elite soldiers. Somebody is coming to fight you with one million soldiers. You should just tell your guys, guys, every man take two people down and we will win. And he had walls. I mean, you've built the walls, you have towers, you have bars and stuff. You could move behind your wall and, you know, plan your strategy and wage war, you know. Just draw it out and you will win. But this king realized that no matter how prepared you are, no matter how strong you think you are, you still need God's help. The us is prepared for the day of battle. That's what the Bible says. Safety is from God. So what did he do? He arranged the soldiers. The other guy also arranged the soldiers on the other side. Then he did something. He called God and then took a step back and hid behind God. So let's see what the Bible said happened there. I'd like us to read it so that we are, we are all there. So, Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. So, armored personnel carrier, 300. APC. They had nothing. They were just, uh, you know, infantrymen carrying sword and shield. But these guys had, they had, you know, they had armor. But they came. And then the next verse says, so he went out against him, set his troop, arranged the soldiers and everything. Next verse. Now, after doing this, after putting everything in place, ready, you have done your bit. What did he do? Esa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God. For we rest on you. What did he do? We have all these things. But God, you are the one we are counting on. I'm not counting on my 580 elite forces. I'm not counting on the fact that we can run back to our fortresses. I'm counting on you to help. Help us, O Lord our God. For we rest on you. And in your name we go against this multitude. Then he says, O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. What did he do? He put God's honor on the stake. Say, God, if you like, let Zerah beat you. And then he took a step back. God, you are God. Oh. Don't let this guy just come and be boasting that he can beat you. And then he took a step back. They stood there. So what did God do? Verse 12, says, so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Esau and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Now, let's see. Continue verse 13. So, Esau and the people were with him, pursued them to Gerah. So, the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. They were not broken before Esau and his army. It was now the Lord that was the captain of the forces of Judah. So they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Verse 14 and 15. Then they defeated all the cities around Gera, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. 15. They also attacked the livestock enclosure and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Now in this case, what happened? There was someone who recognized God's greatness. And because he recognized God's greatness, he took a step back 
I said, God, you are in charge. And you see, because God is God, the Bible says, his glory will not share. You know? So, God had to prove himself. And in every situation where people have recognized God's greatness, God has given them victories that they could not achieve by themselves. When it was the Israelites that came out of Egypt, God told them, stand still and seal the salvation of the Lord. So they stood still and God fought. When Joshua was about to enter Jericho, he saw a man with a drawn sword and said, are you for us or against us? When the man said, neither. I'm here as a captain of the host of God. Then what did Joshua do? Surrendered leadership. Removed the sandal and worshipped. And then the guy gave him instructions. This and this are the things you will do. What happened in Jericho? They were just marching around. God himself broke down the walls of Jericho. So, when we recognize God's greatness, you know, God reveals himself. But you see, when it comes to God's greatness, it's you to choose. In all these situations that we've explained, it took the people that were involved to put God there and say, God, I stop striving. You fight. Anna had been crying for years. No difference. But one day she went to God and said, God, you can turn this story around. And if you turn it around, I will give the child back to you. So solve your own problem in Israel by giving me the child. And God showed up. So it's for us to choose a side. You can choose to be on God's side. And you can choose to be on the opposing side. When God steps into the situation, whoever is on God's side wins. So, that's the second thing. Recognize God's greatness. The first one is that God opposes the proud. We must realize God opposes the proud. Why do people not want to recognize God's greatness? The first issue, pride. I want to be able to say I did it. I don't want anybody to take the glory for all my efforts pride. Or, I know what I've put into this project. Let's not even deceive ourselves that it's God that did it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's Pharaoh. Who is the Lord? <laughs> yeah. Pride. Arrogance. It is God that gives you power to make wealth. So you must remember the Lord your God. For he's the one that gives you power. To get wealth. So the third thing. Is to realize that you need help. And that only God can help. It's one thing to realize that you need help. But not to realize that only God can help. You know, this King Asa that we just talked about, he made the mistake of seeking help from somewhere apart from God later in his life. If you get to 2 Chronicles chapter, I mean chapter 16, you see that his ending was not very good. I mean, the last few years of his life. Why? Because, I mean, it's not in my notes. So, it's something that... At the beginning, he realized that he needed help and that only God could help. And after God destroyed the Ethiopians for him, for 25 years, no more wars. So they built everything they wanted to build. I mean, he, I mean, he became a great king in the area. So gold, silver, everything started flowing in. He put all of them in the temple of God. Then his neighbor, the king of Israel, so he was king of Judah, the king of Israel attacked him. Attacked, 
I mean, not even really an attack, just blocked off people because his own area was prospering. People were moving, coming into his own um, his country because God favored him. And then the other king blocked off the flow of people. So he took off a particular area to block off the flow of people. And what did he do? He went to remove the items that were in the temple and sent it to another king to say, fight with this one so that you can leave me alone. And that became the stumbling block to him. So he realized he needed help, but he had forgotten that God is the only one that can help. So it's one thing to realize your need for help. It's another thing to realize that it's only God that can help. So, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where we saw the story of Anna, she would cry. Then her husband would pet her, say, don't worry. I'm better to you than 10 sons. You know, brandy. Don't worry. And then he would give her two portions of meat. Give you double ration for your trouble. But was it going to ease the problem? Was it going to end the issue? No. So, there are some things that we just manage the situation. You know, but that's not what we are looking for. In verse 15, she went to God in the anguish of her soul. And then, you know, the priest looked at her and was like, this woman must be drunk. There must be something else. So she, she held on to God and said, God, you have to change this situation. And when she poured out her soul to the Lord, you know, God answered her. Now, the truth is that, similar to Anna, we all need help. No matter how great you think you are, you need help. No matter how low you think you are, you need help. And irrespective of where you are, God can help you. And God will help you today in Jesus' name. Now, when we think of help, who needs help? Sometimes you might think that, oh, maybe some other people need help. You know, but in Anna's case, she talked about different categories of people. In that first Samuel chapter 2 that we read, she talked about those people who were labeled weak. That those who stumbled have been strengthened. So the bowls of the mighty had been broken, but the feeble, those who stumbled, the weak, have received strength. So in some areas of life, you might be considered weak. It could be a body part that is weak. It could be your intellect. Thank God for Sister Buki that is smart. Everything smart, smart. You know. <laughs> but some people are not so smart. When they just tell you that, yeah, 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 coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So you need help. Even for the people that are very smart, they need help. What should I go and touch under the machine that will make it work? So, God can help you. And God will help you today in Jesus' name. Some people are considered unproductive, barren, unfruitful, hungry. You know, this one, just find something for him. You know, you are aspiring. You are putting in the effort. Like this one. Just give him something. God is going to turn that story around today in Jesus' name. In some cases, it's that you are the laughing stock. Everybody laughs when they mention your story. <laughs> this one. Please, please, please. Let's talk about somebody else. You know, you are the laughing stock. People look at you like this one. God is going to turn that story around. God is going to lift you and place you among the princes in the name of Jesus. Now the truth is that when people are poor, they are helpless. When people are needy, they are helpless. 
you know, all these motivational speakers, they'll tell the people that are poor, that are on the refugee, that they need to motivate themselves and get out of there. It's not easy. For many of them, they are not there by choice. You know, what needs to happen is that help comes to raise them up. So for some of us, where we are, is like we are on the refuse heap. God is going to stretch his hand to lift us up in Jesus' name. You see, if, if you're in a position that matches any of these things that Anna was talking about, it means that you're a candidate for God's help. You might be in a place where you have no connection. The Bible says that God lifts the poor out of the dunghill. Lifts them up. Sits them among the princes of their people. The princes of their people are born into privilege. They are connected. Their fathers are connected. So these guys have no connection. If they had to go and build the connection, it would take three generations. They have to first walk, get it, then pass it to their children, who then advance a step, and then it will take forever. So what does God do? It takes them from the dunghill, places them among the princes of their people. That's help. That's higher ground. This season, God will take us to higher ground in the name of Jesus. So if you have no opportunities, or you've been told that, oh, you've lost your chance. If you had come last year, we would have been able to help. Oh, if you had had this certification, if you had done this, if you had this qualification, if you... God is going to rise for your help today in the name of Jesus. The truth is that God wants to help you. God wants to help me. But am I ready to allow God? Am I ready to take a step back and let God win for me? So, when God starts to act, you realize that God changes your level. God lifts you from one place to another. And you see, God, God, is, God is perfect at orchestrating things. This week, by God's grace, we're going to be having praise chains. Right? We're just going to be worshipping God. What we are going to be doing is like what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat had the war to fight. Instead of uh, doing drills, they were worshipping. But God set an ambushment for the enemy. Same thing with Jericho. Joshua and his people just kept going around. The people would come out. After a while, it would have become entertainment, right? They won. They marched around that way. The children would come to the window and be just be, eh. They did not know what was coming at them. <laughs> because, I mean, it would be funny. It's like a parade is going around your area. You just stand at your window and watch. Say, ah, they'll even be analyzing people's heads. You know, some people will be very bald. Some people they'll be analyzing, ah, ah, see these guys are shiny from the wall. They didn't know what was coming at them. This season, in the name of Jesus, God will deliver victories to us in the name of Jesus. Please don't take it for granted. It will look stupid. You just get up in the middle of the night or in the afternoon in front of your TV. You start dancing. <laughs> your neighbor. Like, I mean, people will look at you like, what's wrong with this person? For the Israelites, I mean, everybody armed. You are carrying, and then you are parading. And these people are just liverless soldiers. Abi, I mean, soldiers, well-dressed, fully kitted, carrying weapons, march around without saying a word. Like, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of stupid parade are they doing around this place now? If you want to fight, come and fight. Even the soldiers, you know, the first day they would have been like this. The, Jericho soldiers, second day, third day. Oh, please, please, please. Sit down, sit down. This one is a soldier. Oh my God. They'll just be laughing. But when God arises, things change. So this season, 
God will arise for our help. In the name of Jesus. And when God arises, you see, the people around you will ask you, how dare you? How can you be doing this? Because you have received help. After Anna left the temple, the Bible said, after, I mean, Eli said to her, go in peace. God will grant you your request. The Bible says she went back home and she was no longer sad. So Penina will come the usual way and like, ah, do it again. Ah, you are not responding. What's wrong with you, Seth? Right? Penina was confused. Ah, this thing is no longer working. The things that used to get you before will no longer be able to get you. In the name of Jesus. As we enter into this season, you see, God will do things that will amaze us. Psalm 44 verse 3, the Bible says they did not get the land in possession by their strength. It was not their own arm that saved them. It was God's right hand. It was the blinding light from his face because he favored them. So in this season, God is going to be rising for our help. In the mighty name of Jesus. For every one of us that decides to hold on to God, no matter where you think you are, God will do things that will amaze you. But you see, there's just one but. Back to the first point. God resists the proud. When they ask you, the reason God is doing it is so that he can make a name for himself. It's not so that you can say, ah, you know, you, you need to, uh, nah, nah, I'm organizing YouTube tutorials on how to make it. That's not the reason. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, those things just come to me. You have to forgive me. The reason God is doing it is because God wants to make a name for himself. So when God has done it, people will ask you, ah, you have mind though. You are very bold. Say no. I was helped. I was helped. I received help. I was lifted. God helped me. And that's how we will prevail in the name of Jesus. Now, as I begin to round up, I'd like us to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And we'll read the last two verses of, of Anna's uh, prayer, Anna's song. Now, Anna was someone that had experienced God. So she had this to say. He said, God will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. So by strength shall no man prevail. Then in verse 10, she says, those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, but he will give strength to his king and exalt the honor of his anointed. Now in this season, while God is lifting some other people, some other people are going to be demoted. Why? It's about the side. On whose side are you? The Bible says those who oppose the Lord will be broken. So I want to give an opportunity to anyone who is listening or who is watching, who does not know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with God. You know, maybe all along, you've been following God. You know, you're a Christian. But now you know you are not living right. This is an opportunity to come back to God. You don't want to be like the first example of the proud person who wanted to use Jesus to achieve an end. I like all eyes closed, our heads bowed. If you are there, you are saying, I need to know this Jesus. I need to get help from God. I want to win. I want to prevail. 
I want God to step into my situation. This is your opportunity to come to Jesus. I'd like you to say from your heart, Lord, I come to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to join the winning side. I want to move from the side of those who are about to be broken. I want to align with God. I want to make peace with my maker. And as you are saying that prayer, God's peace is flooding your heart. Your sins are being washed away. Your burdens are going to be lifted. Everything that has held you down is losing their grip. In the mighty name of Jesus. For the rest of us, I'd like us to begin to pray and talk to God and ask God for help. For some of us, we need to repent. You have taken God's glory. You have ascribed greatness to yourself. In some cases, you have asked, who is the Lord? Why should I regard him? Why should I listen to anything God wants to say? You know, you need to repent. And then we need to ask God for help. This season, there might be situations in our lives that has made us the laughing stock where we have been jeered at. We've been called unproductive, barren, unfruitful. You've been called weak, handicapped. I'd like you to cry to God today for help, for a change of story. That God would not let this situation prevail against him. I'd like you to talk to God like Esau did. He said, you are our God. In your name we go out against this multitude. Let no man prevail against you. Let no situation or circumstance prevail against you. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that in each and every of our lives, you win the victory for us. We ask that you arise for our help. We ask that you empower us to succeed. We ask that you help each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for your sons and your daughters who are giving their lives to Jesus, who are signing up to be on the Lord's side. Lord, that you accept them. Lord, that you give them a tangible victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, precious God. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.